Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single day. Alongside our Wednesday co-host, Asher Lowe, I'm Nate Dickinson. On today's show, we're previewing Minnesota football, and in turn, we have a Minnesota football expert in to join us here in Daniel House of Gophers Guru. He's going to be talking Gophers with us throughout the program, and it's going to be fun, of course, to get he and Asher Lowe into it back and forth as we heat up Minnesota and Wisconsin rivalry early in this season. We'll start with our guest, Daniel. How's it going here? And thank you for joining us. I know you're a friend of the program already. People know your name. Your experience here goes back further than mine, but it's always nice to have you back here again and here with us for me hosting here for the first time. I appreciate it. Congrats, Nate, on getting the big chair now. This is the Big Ten Ben like segue into Nate now, so I'm, I'm excited to, to be on the show with you. Yeah, we're excited to have you, Daniel. One of the brightest minds in the Big Ten is De- or Ben always said it, and <laughs> he'll show you why as we talk about Minnesota later on. Of course, on the other side, we do have Asher Lowe here, our Wisconsin host on Locked On to talk Badgers. It, it'll go out in a tweet that I'm going to send here out later today. Daniel likes Minnesota. Asher likes saying bad things about Minnesota. Uh, how are you doing here today as we get ready to preview the Gophers, Asher? See, I wish I wish I actually didn't think Minnesota was going to be better than the public consensus this year uh, going into this episode because I actually do. But, yeah, you know, we're talking about the school in general, we're talking about certain coaches at the school. We can always we can always get down and dirty with it. <laughs> well, let's start with that public perception, guys, because that's something I did want to ask you about, Daniel. This mm-hmm. team right now is coming off a rocky 2020 season, which I'm seeing a lot of Gophers fans attributing a lot of to that coronavirus pandemic. Now, Minnesota had more, more holes than that, and everybody with that team will make sure that you know about it too. But do you feel like the optimism surrounding the Gophers is warranted given what Minnesota went through last season and how much improvement there is to be made there still for that team. I I do. After seeing practices during the fall here and getting a feel for the team in the spring, I mean, I hadn't been around the squad in about 18 months due to COVID. So finally getting a chance to see the roster for the first time. And it's definitely the most depth PJ Flex had on the defensive side of the ball. The front seven looked really impressive when I was there. And that's the key. If you want to compete in the Big Ten, beat Iowa and Wisconsin consistently, you have to be strong in the trenches. And I think that's a big upgrade that Minnesota has made. And just looking at, you know, the team last year lost so much talent in 2019 on that defense to the NFL and had to replace all those players and then have limited contact in the spring. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you have a new offensive coordinator coming in the middle of a pandemic that had worked with the quarterback in person a handful of times before getting thrown into a game. And now everybody has a little bit better feel for what Mike Sanford wants to do offensively. And Tanner Morgan coming back, experienced quarterback, lots of talent up front. They'll rotate the offensive line a lot. Uh, Some skill position question marks linger at the wide receiver spot. Uh, Now with Chris Ottman-Bell being week to week with an injury he suffered last Thursday, 
doesn't sound serious and maybe he could be back for Ohio State so even with him in the picture there's question marks about who's wide receiver three and four we know Daniel Jackson will merge as wide receiver two I think he's made a lot of progress and could be a guy that breaks out in the Big Ten this year it's just do they have enough wide receiver explosiveness and, and depth behind that they're going to probably rely on some younger players to to develop as the season progresses I, yeah, I, 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 go ahead Asher I have questions about the defense, uh, for mm-hmm. sure. I'm wondering about names you think will pop this year that we didn't see last year for whatever reason, whether uh, new faces, whether guys that were out with injuries. Who are the changes in terms of personnel that you think will make a massive difference on a defense that really struggled last year for a lot the, of the, the year? Co- the coaching staff really prioritized hitting the transfer portal to patch a couple holes here and there and continue to build some depth on that side of the ball with the younger players. So uh, Jack Gibbons from Abilene Christian, linebacker down there that was one of the best players in the FCS and now getting him into the Big Ten. He's transitioned really well. Just watching practices, a big-time playmaker, real physical, has even more range than I thought, can run things down, uh, was really active in the Thursday night practice that they had, about three run stops, couple nice plays in coverage, covering a wheel route out of the backfield. Uh, definitely looks like a playmaker, one of those guys that could lead the team in tackles possibly. And provide a physical dimension to that second level of the defense, which I think was really important. And then Niles Pinckney, a transfer from Clemson, played more than 1,100 snaps. And the thing that stands out within his game is really the the ability to take on blocks, take on double teams, which opens up a lot of opportunities for other guys on the defensive line. And, I mean, you just look at this guy, you know, hand technique-wise, being able to beat blocks, control a gap. Uh, that just changes the whole defensive scheme of what Joe Rossi wants to do defensively. So those two guys really jump out. But in general, it's just Minnesota's defensive line. They've invested a lot of resources into that position. I like the current depth that they have and the future depth at the position. Some of the players that they're getting with the athletic prototype and then the projection out that when those guys get in the strength and conditioning program, they can thrive. I mean, they're going to roll with a deep rotation on the defensive line before they're playing five or six guys up front. And that's hard because, you know, you, you can't really rotate and keep guys fresh this year. I think they're going to have a nice rotation inside with Niles Pinckney and Micah Dutreadwag is coming back for another year. D'Angelo Carter's a guy that has stood out a lot. I think he could possibly burst onto the scene and surprise a lot of people. Val Martin, another transfer from NC state, more of a situational defensive tackle, so they have a lot of different skill sets. And Boye Mafe coming back off the edge, one of the top pass rushers in the Big Ten, proved a lot against the run this offseason and continues to develop an arsenal pass rush moves. Another guy that you know could, could turn into a high NFL draft pick just based off of the growth that he's made and the athletic upside he has. And then MJ Anderson, Jalen Logan Redding, a couple of younger guys that could rotate into the mix. I know they like the progress that Thomas Rush has made. A jaw joiner, another guy that they really targeted uh, in the recruiting process, just off athletic traits. He he's continuing to progress and, and grow physically. So you look at the current and long term depth. I think the front seven of that defense is going to be, you know, the the thing that steps up the most this season and, and elevates the defense off of last year, which was certainly a struggle. Daniel, I know we're talking bigger picture here to start off the program, but you did mention something that does have some relevance right away here. That's Chris Ottman Bell injury. He suffered in practice, Mm -hmm. has him very much up in the air for the opener against Ohio State. It's obviously a big picture all season thing we're doing here today. But what are your thoughts about what the coaching staff is saying about his status for that week one matchup against the Buckeyes? 
I, I don't know if anybody really knows how, you know, he'll progress over the next couple of weeks, but there's optimism around him being available for the first game. Uh, it definitely was an injury that, you know, it, it could have been a lot worse. And so Minnesota's definitely thankful that he's going to be able to be available at some point. It's just a matter of when. And that's the thing that Minnesota will have to navigate if you get an injury in that wide receiver room like to Bell more question marks around that position. Daniel Jackson, I do believe, will make a big step forward. But, you know, is it Mike Brown-Stevens? Is it Dalen Wright, who, I mean, he he looks the part, guys. You watch this, you watch him in practice, just the size and the athletic ability just needs to put it all together. Kenny, Kenny progress as a route runner. You know, he's gonna he's gonna grow with Matt Simon and PJ Fleck, but I'm not so sure how how quickly that adjustment will occur. I mean, you just play him because he's got such raw ability that you can throw the ball up and, you know, make plays off fades and, and get him opportunities in the red zone. So I've been, I've been impressed with just the natural ability from him, but I don't know, after that, it, it comes down to true freshmen. And I thought two fr true freshmen really popped Brady Boyd receiver from Texas played at one of the best high schools in, in the state down there, South Lake Carroll high school, Definitely got the most separation probably of all the back half receivers and looked pretty nuanced as a route runner. So I was I was impressed with him significantly when I left and thought Lamecki Brockington also from Georgia is another name to keep an eye on. He uh, very sudden route runner, explosive in space, adds a different type of skill set to that room. So maybe two of those younger players emerge as the season progresses and maybe early if you know, they need to ease into the season without Bell, but I'm, I'm guessing Bell will be available for the first game. Well, that's a whole lot of names to try and keep track of if you're listening over at home and a Gophers fan, and a whole lot for us to still go over. I've got questions for Daniel about this Minnesota offense. Can Tanner Morgan get back to his 2019 form? Of course, this defense has some big improvements to make if it wants to compete this season as well. And I'm sure Asher has all sorts of questions about this Minnesota team, too, that we need to get to also. We'll get to all of it here on Locked On Big Ten. Daniel House joining us to break down the Minnesota Gophers. Hey, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten. BetOnline.ag is the place to go for any of your online sportsbook needs. The baseball season is back underway. The NBA Finals are wrapping up. And of course, I know you're already looking at some of those football futures for the fall as well. Whatever your need may be, as far as sports betting goes, betonline.ag can help you make your money. Head on over to betonline.ag right now for all the best lines, all the news you need to make sure you're up to date before you put those bets in, and we'll get you some free money to start out with, too. If you go to betonline.ag right now and use our promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% on top of whatever you put into your account that first time you put money in, just add it on for free. Thanks to the people over at BetOnline. It's BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. We're breaking down Minnesota football and have Daniel House in with Gophers Guru to break down the Gophers with us. Daniel's an expert on pretty much football, Minnesota. I mean, when you put the two together, he really knows his stuff. And we're here to talk a little bit of offense now with you, Daniel, as this team for Minnesota in 2019 had explosive offensive firepower, offensive targets for quarterback Tanner Morgan, the top two of which are now gone from that season. 
You still have good running back power, and the line should be better this year. But where are you at with like where this offense is right now for Minnesota just in general? Because you have kind of two seasons that you could choose to take most of your opinion from. You could say, all right, well, 2020 was a fluke. It's the 2019 Gophers we're looking at. Or you could be more the realist and think, well, that team in 2020 still has a whole lot of flaws that need to be fixed here. Where are you at in that balance with this offense? That's the exact balance that everybody in the country is trying to figure out. How much do you weigh COVID and the limited in-person contact player development into what you saw in 2020 versus the year prior? And I would say Kirk Schrocker running the offense in 2019, I thought the beauty of that offensive system was how they used RPO to build into play action, to build into drop back passing. And I think being able to build off of those concepts and layer them is what made that offense really difficult to defend because they hit you underneath. You're going to play with inside leverage. Now you hit with play action and big plays over the top. And Tanner Morgan was one of the most accurate quarterbacks of passes more than 20 yards downfield. So this season, I think it comes back to just tweaking that system to understand that you got to layer those passing concepts. You got to be more efficient on early downs. Minnesota last year was running the ball on first down at a set around a 70% clip. So they got to figure out how to adjust those tendencies to maybe be a little less predictable on that down. And it will set them up with success. I mean, Tanner Morgan was one of the best passers in the country on second down last year, which I find really interesting. Like if you're able to be a little less predictable on first down, maybe that will open up some options offensively. And I think with Mike Sanford being in his second year here now, knowing the strengths of his players, like last year, he's just trying to figure out what his players could do on the fly and had no real you know, connection with Tanner in person. So now having that, I think it's huge. And I believe you could see a lot of different wrinkles in the offense this year because Tanner Morgan's really strong off of play action. I think he's one of the better play action passing quarterbacks in the Big Ten. So maybe that's more of an emphasis this year, drawing off of that outside zone scheme and adding more play action and displacing defenders and maybe involving the backs more in the passing game and the tight ends. Uh, we could see a very different system that still has, you know, shades of the 2019 offense into it, uh, but Sanford will be able to make more of his mark. And I think that will help. I mean, he's got Mo Ibrahim coming back in the backfield with an offensive line that you can really rotate. And I think they will move guys around like blaze Andres was playing three different positions in practice and they were constantly mixing it up, which this is a time to see what you got and give guys experience in case injuries hit. But the O-line, the running game, I, like I said, the biggest question mark is wide receiver three, four, five down that depth chart. Do they have enough explosive firepower there? And then, you know, what does the system look like and how do they tailor it to the strengths of Tanner Morgan, Moe, and Chris Ottman-Bell? So keep an eye on that as, as you enter the season here, what Minnesota does offensively. I'm, I'm personally fascinated to see it. Yeah, well, you named off some of the weapons there, Daniel, and you also brought up some of the classic things that we've heard from a whole lot of hosts about how that COVID-19 pandemic really, really had a huge impact on their team's success. One of the hosts who was preaching that was Asher Lowe, our Wednesday co-host last week with the Badgers podcast, talking about his Wisconsin team. I want to hear now from you as a little bit of an outsider on this, Asher, and maybe even an unbiased outsider too. What do you think about the Gophers and where they stand as far as that 2020 season, which was obviously leaving room for improvement, and 
opposed to the 2019 season, which was a double-digit win team. Yeah, I think uh, the defense was never going to be a double-digit win defense, but I do think that COVID certainly had an impact. And I think that for Wisconsin, like I, I know obviously there's some bias here, but I think it was a different level for Wisconsin than some other teams in the Big Ten just because of not only going through cancellations, and they were the first out the cancellations early, but also going through not knowing who was available up until like day of. I mean, there were the Northwestern game, which was kind of the turning point of the season where, I mean, if you remember after Michigan, after week two, or I guess technically week three, but after their second game, everything was was going smoothly. Like Wisconsin was a team that everybody thought would be playing for a Big Ten championship. They were 2-0. and They had just steamrolled Michigan. They had, Graham Burtz looked like Patrick Mahomes against Illinois. And then you get to the Northwestern game, and like 30 minutes before game time, both wide receivers were ruled out. Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor, or at least for us, it was 30 minutes before game time. I don't know how how long the players knew about it, but I can't imagine it was honestly that long. Uh, it probably wasn't right at game time, but for us in the media, that was a surprise that literally came right before kickoff. So it, it was situations like that. And the Minnesota also had injury issues and uh, had some games there that they just should not have lost. Uh, I mean, the Maryland game it comes to mind as just a ridiculous, ridiculous uh, COVID season type of game where uh, it, it's just not a loss that I think Minnesota would take in a year like this. So, uh, yeah, I think there was some excuse there for sure. But like I said, I don't think that was a double-digit win defense. And mm-hmm. you need a double-digit win defense to win in the Big Ten Conference. Like that, that's, that's, I think, the more important side of the ball, which, Dan, you were saying earlier too. I think that that is the slightly more important side of the ball just based on how football is played historically in this conference. And I think that the Gophers' defense will be improved this year. Yeah, it seems like that's something that's been a theme too. Not just that everyone says that COVID impacted the season. It seems like everyone thinks COVID impacted their team a little bit more than everybody else. Wisconsin has its reason. Minnesota has seven players on defense that were new starters that were its reason. But everyone wants to think that their team was impacted just a little bit more unless you had like a Indiana type of season, in which case you're trying to do a little bit more of the opposite. But We'll see how it ends up playing out. But Daniel, Minnesota fans are thinking the same right way, right? They're thinking that this Minnesota roster got hit harder than everybody else by that pandemic and what it had to go through to try to adjust. Well, what Asher laid out is pretty much parallel to what Minnesota was going through. Like they didn't know how they were going to divide reps up in practice. And you're given players that probably wouldn't be contributing more reps in practice. And that makes it hard to develop your players and implement schemes and you don't even know like can you build your scheme around one specific player because if that guy tests positive and he's unavailable you have to scrape everything up so there's like contingency plan upon contingency plan related to COVID and and I think every team in the country experienced that and the ones that were hit a little bit harder they they experienced more of those problems and I mean you just look at some of the teams across the country that had more veterans on their roster and had better depth, they withstand, withstood it and held held up better than those teams that maybe were a little bit younger or had question marks across their roster. And I mean, you just look at Minnesota, for example, a couple of close games there. Asher mentioned Maryland. That was a wacky game and one that they probably should have won. And then Wisconsin was close at the end. They lost two close games there. They win those two, and you're and people are probably talking even a little bit differently about Minnesota because there you go. I mean, you got five wins versus three. So, I mean, Minnesota, considering the circumstances, the thing that I saw was they improved over the course of the season too. Like defensively, they weren't getting gashed nearly as bad. 
that Nebraska game where they had a whole bunch of guys out. They were playing young players, and actually those guys played relatively well. And, I mean, they weren't getting totally destroyed on defense. And I think that's what's going to benefit the team into the future and, and Wisconsin as well. Some of those players that got action that maybe wouldn't have normally done so, they gained experience by being thrown into the fire. And now that will help the team this year and, and continue to build depth into the future. Daniel, I think that the biggest question for me about Minnesota right now, and I told you going into the year at the beginning of this show that I was higher on them than most. Mm-hmm. Even I don't want to admit it, I am. But starting the year 0-1, let's just assume you're starting the year 0-1. Yep. How do you think that impacts this team? Do you think that's a pos- like, do you think playing Ohio State early week one is a positive for I guess a couple reasons? First of all, the, I guess if you're looking for a weakness with Ohio State year in year out, it's hard to find. But if you're going to find one, there's almost always a lot of turnover at key positions just because they are so talented. Guys mm-hmm. are going to the NFL at key positions basically every year, so maybe playing them week one is a slight advantage there with certain guys. Like obviously the quarterback position this year with Justin Fields now as a Bear, uh, that's a position where you're going to be having uh, a new starter, right? It, it's positions like that that Ohio State seems to turn over quickly just because of their talent level. Uh, obviously, there's five stars waiting in the wings to come in and take those positions, so it's not like a, a normal situation for most teams when they have a Justin Fields type of guy leave. But is playing the week one an advantage? And then assuming you start 0-1, do you think that's a good thing? Or would you rather play them, say, final week of the season? I don't think you could play them in a better spot this year. Just looking at the situation they have being a bottom five team in returning production. And I mean, like you said, Ohio State doesn't rebuild. They reload and they will develop. But, you know, the the chemistry, you're not playing like South Alabama on week one. You're not playing some FCS school. You got to come out of the gate strong. And Ohio State's never dealt with a situation like this at quarterback. I think C.J. Stroud's going to have a fantastic year, but they're entering 2021 with zero returning passing attempts. And it's the first time that's happened since 1952. That That's something that Ohio State has never experienced. Like I said, I think Stroud's going to be really, really good. And I think people should be buying into possibly like, hey, this guy could be a Heisman type of player because he's got that much talent. And if they add a rushing dimension to the offense, he could be very, very, very tough to defend. But you do you look at Ohio State, you go, this is the this is the time to play them. I mean, defensively, 44% of their returning production coming back. And they were they were like the 14th worst team and opponent passing play success rate last year. So they've given up a lot of big plays. And I still see some question marks at cornerback. Safety should be pretty strong, but the the back, you know, the linebacker room lost four players and they're you know continuing to have to put young players in there. I mean, they reload, but Still, that's one of the question marks that they have. And the explosiveness at wide receiver is something that I think they will really exploit with Minnesota is the Gophers have some question marks at cornerback. Can they keep up with those explosive weapons? Uh, and if they do start 0-1, which that, that's a high probability there, I mean, you look at the schedule after that and you go, okay, Miami of Ohio, Colorado, Bowling Green, all teams with un- question marks at the quarterback position. You really don't face a team with – certainty at quarterback during that stretch and if minnesota can get hot after the first game and get to the point where maybe they they sweep those games up to the final three where they got iowa indiana and wisconsin that really leaves them with options to win one of the final three and get to nine wins or you know have have a really solid season so i think starting with ohio state gives them a barometer right off the start like here's where you're at 
And then you have some time to kind of get things built up to the end of the season for those big rivalry games. And also you have a situation that's kind of rare with Minnesota where you have a team that has season expectations, but also within this first week really doesn't have any sort of expectations. If Ohio mm-hmm. State knocks the doors off the Gophers, it's pretty much it. it's Ohio State. Any other team in the conference, Gophers fans probably have a little bit more concern about the season as a whole. So there's a little bit more of a, I guess, breathing room on that front if you want to think about it that way too. Well, Asher, you've been pretty well behaved so far. There was the one question that started with assuming Minnesota starts 0-1. That's not always the best for the Minnesota fans, but you've done a pretty good job on your Wisconsin side. I appreciate it. Daniel, you too. We'll get back to finishing up Minnesota talk here on Locked On Big Ten in just a minute. We've got all sorts of stuff to get into on the defensive side of the ball. As we'll get into, that's where Minnesota really, really struggled to start the season off and had to figure things out as it went. We'll be back here with Asher Lowe, our Wednesday co-host, and Daniel House from Gophers Guru talking Minnesota football in just a minute. Hey, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten, here to tell you a little bit more about Built Bar, helping you get the show here today. Built Bar is the place to go for all of your protein needs. They have more than 15 grams of protein per bar with less than 5 net grams of carbs and 5 grams of sugars as well. It's all the healthy stuff you want without any of that unwanted filler, but great flavor too. Built Bar has 100% chocolate in every single bar, and these things taste outstanding. People are loving the new grasshopper flavor. It's supposed to be a little bit of a play on the mint brownie Girl Scout cookies that people like so much. So you can go and try that or any other flavor out right now at BuiltBar.com and save some money by using our promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So you know these guys are legit. That's Built Bar helping you get the show here today. And we thank you, Built Bar. Wrapping things up here on Locked On Big Ten alongside our Wednesday co-host, Asher Lowe. He's the host of Locked On Badgers every weekday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Nate Dickinson with Locked On Big Ten. We're talking Minnesota football and have Daniel House in. Maybe the best mind to have in to talk go for football here on the show. We've talked offense. We've talked big picture stuff for Minnesota already. But maybe the biggest problem, especially at the beginning of the season, was that defense. And the defense on the ground in particular, Daniel. I brought it up when I was hosting Locked On Golden Gophers and even on this show too. One game in which the Gophers did not allow 175 yards rushing in 2020. How does that get better? How much better does that get this season? Can we expect Minnesota to be good at this after being so bad at it a year before? Yeah, after leaving practice, I'm like, this defense is night and day from where it was last year, just up front on the defensive line. And I know this is probably a bold prediction, but I honestly believe the defensive line could be the one of the strengths of this team because of the additions that they made, the younger guys getting better. And I always believe that defense is is a ripple effect. So, for example, you're a defensive tackle and you got a guy that doesn't control a gap and that messes with the linebackers run fit. And then linebackers out of alignment and your safety has to make a hero tackle in space. And you pretty much just, you know, all started up front. The mistake that was made there had a ripple effect on all levels of the defense. So when I look at Minnesota and I go, okay, the D line looks legitimate this year, like, These guys can control a gap. They can get penetration against the run. The linebackers are able to get off of blocks. I mean, they were playing like Cody Lindenberg week one, who 
physically wasn't ready, but now he's had a uh, year in the strength and conditioning program, looks like one of the more physically improved players on the team. But not only him, Jack Gibbons. I mean, they have a mix of different skill sets at the linebacker spot. I do believe they'll be better in that area, but it all starts up front on the defensive line, a defensive tackle, and that's where I felt like they had a lot of issues. And then just being more disciplined defensively, that comes with coaching. And Joe Rossi's one of the one of the best teachers, I think. He does a great job of like making sure his players develop all the little details. And and Minnesota's players all talk about that. So him having that in-person contact with the players is huge. And I think that's where you're going to notice the biggest difference is up front with Minnesota. And that's how you keep pace with the top teams in the Big Ten. Asher, this is the spot to take some shots at this Minnesota team because the defense was atrocious at times. It's probably where you're looking at the biggest holes right now on this team if you're looking at the things that could keep Minnesota from getting back to the places we're thinking they could go right now. What are you thinking about when you look at this Minnesota team just kind of about being able to attack it? And also just kind of from an outsider's point of view as we kind of run short on time here. As a Badger fan, how threatening do you see the Gophers right now? I see them as pretty threatening, I'll be honest. Uh, I think that you're probably looking at a Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, pretty clear top three to me. Not necessarily in that order, but I think I think it probably goes right now in most people's minds and in mine as well. Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota heading into the year as the expected top three in terms of fear level in the West. And I think that's fair given what we saw last year, what all teams have coming back into this year. I think that though, obviously, it's hard to be worse defending the run. I think they'll obviously be better defending the run. And I think the schedule is interesting because I think it's it's probably the weirdest schedule I've looked at. In terms of you have Ohio State week one, right? Like, like it's probably a loss. I mean, I, I agree with Daniel, by the way, that it's the best time to play them. Given C.J. Stroud taking over for Justin Fields, he's never thrown a collegiate pass attempt. That's a pretty good time to get an Ohio State team that will probably be in the college football playoff again. And then you have Colorado on the road two weeks later. Not an easy game at all. Uh, I think Minnesota probably expects to win it, but definitely not an easy non-conference game. So let's say you're 3-1 and one in the non-conference, which is probably the best-case scenario there. You have a pretty easy opening to the Big Time Conference, and then all of a sudden the gauntlet hits November mm-hmm. 13th. Like, there's a very real chance Minnesota goes 0-3 at Iowa, at Indiana, and Wisconsin at home is, is about as tough as you're going to get outside of playing an Ohio State, maybe a Penn State, uh, maybe a Michigan, but I think that's about as tough of a stretch on the road at Iowa. That is, that is to me, it's just a loss, auto loss for Minnesota. I think Iowa's going to be really good this year uh, defensively, and I think they'll kind of control that one at Kinnick. And at Indiana, we'll see. I think Indiana probably takes a slight step back, but uh, hey, they have a ton of talent returning as well. And then obviously a game against Wisconsin that I think Minnesota fans will be hoping decides the Big Ten West. Uh, and Wisconsin fans will be hoping the Big Ten West is wrapped up and it doesn't decide the Big Ten West. But uh, yeah, I think I think that the final three games makes it really interesting because I don't think you'll know much about Minnesota after November 6th, after that Illinois game at home. Like I think there's a very real chance they've lost one football game but we don't know very much about them, if that makes sense. Like, like, I think that they could be absolutely looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eight and one heading into November 13th. We're talking about a Minnesota team that's like nearing top 15, top 10 in the AP poll, and yet we don't know much about them. And so I think, I think that's the weird part about this schedule. Daniel, before we let you go, and again, I, I am having to kind of rush a little bit of things here as we run short on time, and that's my fault. But Daniel... 
another big thing with this Minnesota team, or I guess PJ Flex, biggest criticism, one of them has been his inability to beat a team like Wisconsin or in Iowa. If you're the Gophers right now or a Gopher fan, are you more happy with a nine-win season or say like a seven-win season, but you beat one of those two, like a Wisconsin or an Iowa on the way? I I, I think the next step in the eyes of Minnesota fans is wanting to consistently beat Iowa and Wisconsin. And, you know, they've proven that they can handle these teams in the mid to low tier of the Big Ten Conference, especially in the West. And I think, you know, how they're building this thing, they're they're realizing that like, hey, you got to win up front on both sides of the ball. And I think those two things are going to be strengths so that positions them well. And you look at the long term depth, especially on the defensive line that that has them positioned to compete. And I agree with Asher. When you look at the, the schedule, there's a real possibility that they could be in an extremely good spot heading into that final three. And it leaves the door open for some exciting matchups down the stretch. And I believe I'm not as high on Iowa as everybody else is. I think their secondary will be strong. I got some questions about, you know, their front seven, if that that's all going to gel together. And uh, I just I'm not sold on quarterback either. Spencer Petrus is that whole thing going to come together? The passing game going to look improved. Uh, Wisconsin seems to be like the the team where I feel like they are far and ahead in the West right now. And then there's there's more question marks in that second tier. So I mean Wisconsin too. It, how does that pass rush come together? That's what I'm excited to see specifically with Wisconsin. And, and I think the the three teams battling it out will make things exciting in the Big Ten West. This was much more civilized than I want it to be, gentlemen. Thank you for being so polite. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, on November 27th. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. We will definitely have Daniel back on at some point. Before we let you go, Daniel, I can already hear the people yelling at me right now. We did not mention Mo Ibrahim much in this program. He is the returning Big Ten running back of the year. Am I right there? Or no, no, no. I, anywho, I, he's really good if I'm wrong on that stat. But anywho, he's one of the best out there. And I know people would be mad if we didn't talk about just how good he is. So just talk about how good Mo Ibrahim is going to be. And the opportunity he has to be really, really good with the uh, support of the line he has in front of him now. Yeah, Mo, the continuity up front. I mean, you look at the guy's vision off outside zone and just how successful he was last year at, you know, yards after contact, elusive making the first guy miss and sixth most efficient runner in the country last season. Uh, he's just poised for a big year. And I think, you know, the complimentary options behind him, the running back, you could argue is one of the biggest strengths of the team with Trey Potts being a versatile guy who can come out of the backfield as a receiver and Cam Wiley, who has, you know, continued to improve uh, that group definitely is positioned really well. And I think Mo, it'll be interesting with Mo to see how they divide the reps up. Does he get as many carries? Are they really pounding the rock as much with him? Or are they blending other guys in and, and trying to keep Mo fresh and durable throughout the course of the season? I think that's one thing to watch. And then how the early down passing game potentially, if that's more explosive, how that opens up the running game. Because if teams have to put an extra guy in the box to stop Mo, it opens up a lot of things in the passing game. So him being there provides a lot of challenges for opposing uh, defenses. Yeah, that's one of the great things about why he's so good, not just talented as a running back, but does so many different things out there that can confuse an opposing defense. Mo Ibrahim, going to be just as fun to watch this year as he was last. No doubt about that. 
Daniel, thanks again for joining us here on Locked On Big Ten to help us preview the Gophers. Any parting shots on either side? Wisconsin and Minnesota, the big border border battle we mentioned, it'll happen in November, but you guys are going to have a chance to give us some, uh, as I said, parting shots before we go. Nothing? Nothing? I'm just excited. I'm excited for the Wisconsin-Minnesota matchup this year. I love when both teams are competitive and everybody's getting fired up about it. Yeah, as much as I as much as I would rather see the division wrapped up by then, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have everything at stake going into that week. All right. Okay. We'll talk more <laughs> tomorrow. Maybe someone will have some more exciting and uh, hot takey stuff to say to each other, and we'll make some headlines. Thanks for playing nice, guys. Again, Asher Lowe's here every Wednesday and every weekday on the Locked On Badgers podcast. Daniel, remind people where they can find you online and, of course, all the stuff that you do over at Gophers Guru. You can check it out on gophersguru.com and check out the $5 a month subscription to all the content. And then on Twitter, at Daniel House NFL. And Asher, I know this isn't all you do either. Go ahead and plug away. Yeah, at Locked On Badgers, of course, every day on the Locked On Network covering Wisconsin basketball and football. And then BadgersWire.com for USA Today doing the same thing, covering Wisconsin. Our Twitter handle is at LockedOnBig10. That's Big10 on Twitter. I'm at Nate with Sports. As always, wherever you're listening right now, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, five stars. We've got another great show coming up tomorrow afternoon with Isaiah Hole. We may be able to get our Northwestern preview in at that time. I'm hoping we can get our guest in to do that on Thursday. But until then, this has been Nate Dickinson with Locked On Big Ten.